Hey folks, it's Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Sundays in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew Eberron game called Eberron the Second Morning. This show is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish at patreon.com slash slyflourish. If you want to help keep shows like this going and keep the website operating and all of the other odds and ends, and if you want to help support that, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. Uh, those of you who are patrons, I thank you. Patrons of Sly Flourish get a few things. They get a monthly newsletter in which I describe all of the different activities that, that we've done here at Sly Flourish. We, the royal we. Uh, I... Uh, there is an exclusive Discord channel, so I have a Discord server but uh, that's open to everybody, uh, but there is one channel in there that is specifically open to uh, the patrons of Sly Flourish. Uh, you will also have access to an adventure that's exclusive for Patreon backers called Regnum Rattus, the Rats in the Cellar. This is a level 1 to 5 adventure uh, in which characters uh, meet with their friend uh, who owns a bar and go down underneath and find the horrors that lie within. So it's a it's a a fun a fun adventure. So I want to thank uh, all of the patron uh, Patreon backers of Sly Flourish, the patrons of Sly Flourish, for their support. So today we are going to be preparing for my Eberron game. In last week's session, hello everybody, everybody's here. Von Corlan is here. Hey, my mom is here. Hello, mom. Uh, Tenth of the Nine is here. Austin Nadas is here. Uh, so yeah, let's see. Last session. Sorry for butchering everybody's names. Um, last session, uh, the characters went into Tower 6 of Morgrave University. They are seeking a book kept in the Forbidden Vault of Tower 6 of Morgrave University, known as the Tome of Colseer. They know it is a book of powerful magic that was put together uh, from studies of the giants of Zendrek, and it focuses heavily on a destruction, like necromatic and illusory, illusion, illusion style magic, whatever that is. Enchantments, I don't know. Hey, Evil John is here. Hey, Evil John. So uh, they went into the vaults. They decided to go a different path. They, they went in through some secret smuggler tunnels that exist between some local bar, a local bar in the university district that goes underneath the district and then to uh, underneath uh, Morgrave University. And it's through this... Um, through these smugglers tunnels where uh, many sort of illicit deals go on where artifacts are stolen from Morgrave University or borrowed or what or whatever and transferred out of Morgrave University uh, without anybody knowing that they've been um, that they've uh, uh, been taken so uh, the characters went through they met up let's see they 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 opened up some ancient sarcophagi and released a couple of mummies that was a bad deal uh, they fought the mummies one of the characters has been rotted and has mummy rot and currently can't recover hit points and that's a real problem and boy he's real concerned about that comes up often and uh, the uh, they met a jackal wear who appeared to be like a refugee and they or not like a refugee but like a you know guy lost in the tunnels and uh they quickly discovered it was a jackal ware and that he was one of many jackal wares that were brought here by Lido Skull's right hand a woman named Valentine Fire Fire touched Valentine Fire Flame touched is her name uh Valentine is secretly a lamia she is a she is a cursed lamia that was uh that had been brought back from Zendrek by one of Lido Skull's earliest expeditions uh and uh Valentine's sister is uh the other flame something uh it's in my it's in my NPC notes uh hang on let's pull up the NPC notes uh da -da -da. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Notion. So let's go to NPCs. See my NPC database. And in here, Flamewind. So I have Valentine Flame Touched, and I have Flamewind. And they are siblings, but Flamewind is not cursed. Flame Touched is cursed. Flame Touched works as Leto Skull's right hand. You can see a picture of Leto Skull right here. And Flamewind is a researcher. Uh, uh, you know, Flamewind is, is her own thing. Um, and she uh, is researching the draconic prophecy in uh, uh, in Morgrave University. So it's possible the characters could run into Flamewind if they are trying to escape. But right now, they are inside the vaults. Uh, they realize that a bunch of jackalwares are here too. They got past the stone golem protector by using the medallion that they received. And uh, they just went into a vault. And I think they just got attacked by the Alip. 
so they went into a chamber where they found an orb called Lask, uh, or Lack, and Lack you can see right here, uh, that orb-looking thing. That's a Palantir, but whatever. And um, the uh, ghostly mist came up, and I think, I got to remember, I think that's where we ended. I don't think they beat it. So the strong start is they've got, they managed to grab the book. I think they fought the, the um, I think they fought the Alep already, but I can't remember. So I may have to skip the Alep if, if they fought it. I run so many games, three games a week. It's hard to keep everything in, in, in mind. Um, so we will see. So uh, last week I talked about using uh, Notion. Everyone often asks, hey, what tool are you using? So I'm using a different tool for my campaign management now. I was using just a bunch of text files in an editor called Sublime, but I, a friend of mine uh, clued me into Notion, and I've been using Notion now for about a week and a half, about a week and a half. And uh, I have fallen in love with it, and I'm now using it for five games. One, two, three, four games. I've got four games, four different campaigns that I'm running here, and I'm using them all in Notion. Uh, if you would like to follow along, and I think I'm going to go ahead and do this. If I do share, let's hang on. So go to the second morning page, and I click share, and we share to the web, and I copy that link. And if I paste this in here, uh, you can follow along in the notes themselves. Uh, that way, um, uh, that way, if you want to see this firsthand, you can open it up. You can also duplicate the notebook. But I suggest if you want to use this for your own campaign, I have a fresh campaign version of this, the Lazy Campaign Template. Uh, and I will share this one I've already shared. Uh, and I will stick that in here. So if you want to duplicate one for your own use, use the Lazy Campaign Template. It is an easier one to use. But I'm going to be, if you want to just follow along with the notes that I'm using, you can go to the Eberron one. So, um, yeah, uh, Shout77, does Notion support Markdown? It does. Not only does it support Markdown when you're typing, it also will export to Markdown. So you can export your entire, everything that you've got in here can be exported into Markdown and CSV. Uh, so you can escape. It has an escape hatch, which I think is an important thing, something OneNote does not have. Uh, not, I'm not competing with OneNote. If you have OneNote and you love OneNote, go with OneNote. Uh, but I, I'm digging this because it does support much of the way I already operate. So let's go back to my Eberron campaign here. So uh, if you're following along uh, with in, in, uh, in a campaign notebook, the way that I start a new session is I go to the session planning template right here. The, this is what it looks like. You know, it's a blank template with all of the steps from return in here. Uh, and I'm going to go here, session planning template, and I click here, and I say duplicate. And it creates copy. And I'm going to drag that one to the top because it is now the most important one. And we're going to rename this one 14 June. 2020, uh, Sunday, run. So now I've got my new fresh template uh, ready to go. And step one is, of course, review the characters. Uh, so I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go to my Sunday characters. Uh, I described this, let me make sure this is, yeah, full width is on. So uh, I described this in my uh, last um, show that I did last Sunday. But basically, what the, the way this notebook operates, if you're familiar with Notion, if you're not familiar with Notion, this might not make a lot of sense. And there's a lot of videos about how to use Notion. But essentially, Notion has pages. And what you saw is a page. This is a page, right? And I can edit this just like a page. It also has a thing called a database. And you can create a bunch of different kinds of databases. And a database is essentially... I think of them like a stack of three by five cards, right? If you imagine you have a, each one of these is sort of a, a three by five card for things. And I have this big campaign database. This is everything in my Eberron campaign uh, that is either a character, an NPC, an item, a location, uh, what else? A, uh, I have a scratch pad and I can't remember. There's something else. Oh, yeah, no, I mentioned location. So anyway, essentially, I can create a new card. See this new button? This is the campaign database. There's a bunch of ways to get to this. You create a new card, and you can make a new thing. So I might make um, uh, uh, Faravon. Might be a new NPC, right? And I say empty, and I click NPC. So it's now tagged NPC, right? And then I can put, like, Faravon is a new NPC. And when I'm done, I don't have to hit it. Uh, and now I've got this new Faravon thing. And then I can drag an image onto this and create a new or drag it into this card here. 
and it will create that icon for the gallery view. So I try to put an image for everything. There is no such NPC as Farron, so I'm going to delete that. So most of what exists in the campaign database, most of what exists in this campaign site exists in this campaign database. Uh, and it's all of those different things. But the notes themselves are pages, and you can sort of link the pages to items. So we're going to go back to my Eberron. We have this new notes, and we say, OK, step one, review the characters. You see it's a nice little checkbox to remind you, did you do it? Do it. So we're going to review the characters first thing. We go to Sunday characters. These are characters that have been flagged. If you, I'll, I will open them up. Uh, so we'll start with Zarentir. Zarentir, and you can see it's tagged Sunday character, and that's what filters this list down. So the Sunday characters page is actually a filtered view of the database to show just the characters that are flagged Sunday characters. Uh, Zarentir is played by Pat. He is a Tempest uh, Storm Clerics, uh, or Cleric Storm Sorcerer, Mark of the Storm. Uh, Half-Elf, Independent Scion, uh, his dad's kind of a dick, and he is, uh, just got the keys to his dad's airship, known as the Goldbright. So one option is to, um, uh, I figured that, that, that this adventure option occurred. And uh, he has a wand of magic missiles, he stole, stole dad's keys. So uh, that is Zarin Tier. Uh, I don't know that I will be pulling. So main question is like, do they want to go get the Goldbright? It's going to be a, 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 you know, a scene, right? Uh, a potential scene. Uh, Banner is a uh, Warforged uh, Pact, uh, Warforged Paladin of the Becoming God. Um, I learned a trick here. So uh, with with so this is called a bookmark, right? And this bookmark goes straight to the character page. However, I found a nice trick, which is if you go to that that is Banner's page. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Collections, Characters. Oh, that's not me. Uh, collect. Ugh. Collections campaign, and I go to Sunday, view campaign, and I go to banner, and I view. And instead of linking to this page, I go here, and I say shareable link, and I copy that. I, I think, and now let's see, we're going to delete this and add a return, and this one, and say create bookmark. And it fetches a preview. Uh, it didn't work. Never mind. Uh, the previews should have the stats. It might be the size. If I say view open as a page. Yeah, see, it's got a little bookmark that's got his stats in it. So I can see he's got 22 hit points, 44, uh, 44 hit points, 22 AC, uh, all that kind of thing. So that you can actually open up any one of the cards as a page. And uh, it was the width of the page didn't show it. But, but now it does because you can see that. I got a little stat block form. So that's cool. So... Um, he is a Warforged Paladin of the Becoming God, fought for years in the last war. Uh, he's very interested in finding the Becoming God or creating him. He's a member of the Godforge, which is a group of uh, Warforged that are trying to build their own god. Um, and there's some options of meeting some other Godforge and then getting involved with some Godfor Godforge slash Lord of Blades business that's going on. So that could be cool. That is played by Joe. So going back to uh, characters, that's the one problem with the opening up as a page. Uh, Sunday characters, we have Saber. So Saber is a long tooth shifter monk, um, bounty hunter, uh, and is uh, part of the Temple of Balinor and belongs to the Order of Four Winds, which is a group of shifter monks from the Eldian Reaches. He is interested in fulfilling more of the part of the, uh, his part of the Draconic Prophecy. We have Shift. Uh, Shift is a Warforged Warlock Pact of the Undying. She was one of the original Warforged built from human from human material. Uh, she has a missing 24 hours, and she realized that it's necromatic magic that's powering her, and uh, that her life was actually fueled by Lady Elmaro of the El of the uh, Emerald Claw, and that her brother may be Lord, Lord Crash could be her brother. Maybe that hasn't come out yet, so we'll find out. So these are like little bits of secrets that I've got for the character that I could pull in in, in other games. We have Shane Husk. Shane Husk is a, um, he is an author. Uh, he wrote a book about the, the morning uh, and the last war. He's kind of a shyster a little bit, and he's pretty popular. He's like a popular novelist. So they really enjoyed when he went to the bar and everybody started, all the, all the college kids recognized him and, and were like swooning over him. Uh, and that he had to sort of cause a distraction so the rest of the party could go make their way down. And then he had to get sort of like whisked away by his people. So it was very fun. They really enjoyed that. That's some fun inner, inner party role playing there. That was really, that was really fun. Um, I should make a character for his biggest fan. That would be a good thing to do for NPCs. Um, and then we have Arwen Chi Zizu, uh, who is a scribing gnome artificer. Uh, father was a famous hero. Uh, when you're smart, a part of House Civis, Dragonmark House Civis and has a necklace um, 
a dodecahedron necklace that they know is somehow connected to finding um, a place called Claw Rift. Uh, Claw Rift is where the morning happened. Uh, so those are the characters. So I have completed uh, step one. We'll go back here. Characters are reviewed. Bang. So strong start. The problem I have is I forgot what I did last session. So um, it's either uh, the attack of the Alep or um, uh, Valentine. So here's a trick. I don't know if I knew this last time I did this, but you can do at. You can type the at symbol, and you can connect it to a page. So when I when I when I it filled it out automatically, and when I click this, it goes to Valentine Flame Touched, right? So you can do very quick wiki style connections by typing the at symbol and then connecting things. Uh, that is a super valuable tip. I learned that last Sunday. Uh, from my my the, my friend Juliet, uh, who plays in this game, and I was told her, but it would be really great if there was a way to interlink pages. And she's like, "Oh, there is. Just type the at symbol, and it will search for the title, and you can drop that in." Like, oh, so much better. So that is a super valuable, you know, super valuable trick for connecting your notes together. It also lets you interconnect uh, cards. So, for example, in the Valentine Flame Touched, uh, I have Lido Skull's right hand, right? And Lido Skull is clicked, is is linked. And then, um, you know, Lido Skull is here and then against Cavella, right? And I can click Cavella and I get a card for Cavella. So you get these like really cool interconnected cards um, that uh, uh, help you quickly navigate through your, all of your notes, which I really, I really sort of dig. Uh, so that is the strong start. So the scenes are uh, acquire the tome and the orb um, and lack, right? And, and again, I'll show that at, at lack. And this page is lack. And you, I just got to make sure that it's in the right campaign. See, ever on second morning, because I have lack as one of the examples as well. Um, so acquire the tome and lack. Uh, escape from the um, uh, escape from uh, Morgrave. Uh, and I think, is it time to bring in some Emerald Claw? We might have some Emerald Claw guys show, right? Right. Some Emerald Claw shock troops show up. Uh, something blows up. And next, what, what are the next steps, right? Next options. And those are, um, face, uh, Lord Crash. Hunt down the Emerald Claw. Hunt down the Emerald Claw and face Lord Crash. So that's sort of getting rid of the Emerald Claw uh, angle. Um, what else could they do? Are there any other sort of final, uh, final options in um, uh, in this campaign that I want them to do? I don't think so. So uh, acquire the gold bright, right? And uh, stop Skull's. Uh, so Skull is leaving. Skull has, you know, as soon as this all happens, um, I think, well, these guys might try to get the book to Skull. So Skull might show up, right? Skull wants his book. Uh, he might just show up and ask for the book. Right. And then um, and he has, you know, yes, yeah, so this is some complicated stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I'm going to talk more about this, but let me get the game notes set and then we'll come back to some of the thinking a couple horizons out. Right. We'll talk about keeping the horizons out. Let's take a look at chat. Lots of people talking in chat today. Uh, Notion supports Markdown. Yes, awesome, thanks. Good morning. Second morning is a hardcover. It is my own creation. This is a homebrew campaign, uh, but set in Eberron. Uh, people like Markdown. Great, thank you. I like Markdown too. I've used it forever. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, a little discussion about how uh, I copy and paste OneNote stuff into Notion as well for testing. It works well. I just find it a little bit slower when at mentioning stuff. Yeah, it is a little slower when at mentioning, especially if you have a lot of pages. Dig into the database more since I have NPCs in my quotients. Um, also have a race and alignment property. Yeah, I would. Uh, so one thing about like adding properties. So let's take a just you know a, a quick look at at, at this. this is uh, there's all of these properties here. Like I have a player one, right? Where I kept track of the player, but I don't sort by that, right? So I don't, th I would not put a property in unless it's something you plan on making a view or filtering on. If you are not filtering or viewing by that, you probably don't need a property. Uh, and overdoing properties will make taking notes more painful because you'll feel like you have to fill it out. So I just pretty much have tags, right? I don't do anything other than tags. And even my tags, like the number of tags I have, villain, NPC, location, character, Wednesday, uh, and I'm actually going to rename the Avre one. I did this in the default one, and we're going to call it Scratchpad. Um, and you know, item, uh, and this one too. I don't think I need a Discord tag anymore. So we're gonna delete that tag, remove. So uh, I have Wednesday and Sunday, that's to split up my character sets because I'm running two different sets of characters per campaign, so I need those. But other than villain, NPC, location, uh, character, item, scratch pad, right? So I don't have that many tags and that's because those are the only things I filter on. So I'm trying to, you know, I don't wanna overdo it, right? And it's easy, oh, this is not in the scratch pad. Uh, I don't want to overdo it um, because it will become it'll become hard, right? You got to like fill out a bunch of stuff. So I, the idea of like storing alignment and, and other sort of traits, I think, can be a draw, and there might be good reasons to do so. But it can also kind of over, you know, the idea of tracking everything and try to make everything structured might end up being a, a hassle. Uh, so I would I would recommend caution with adding too much. I would add an element when you're going to filter on it or uh, filter on it or make a view, but I would not do it otherwise, including search. Like I wouldn't worry about search because it does full text search. So you can find everything anyway. You don't need to put a tag in to be searchable. You can put it just like it'll, if I type Dask in, it'll find Dask. So uh, yeah. Um, uh, what other notes? One, one new, way more wiki-like. Yeah. Uh, I think OneNote has ways to link internally to pages. I don't know. And people love OneNote. So I'm not, I'm not bashing OneNote. You know, people love using OneNote and you should use what you dig. I'm just digging this now and I wanna talk about it. And I know a lot of people have been using Notion for this, which is why I dig it. And I, I saw some other people try Legend Keeper. Uh, yeah, and there's Legend Keeper. There's a couple of others that are built specifically for tracking stuff for RPGs. And I think the one feature I have heard that other people want, I don't really need it, but other people want it, is a way to put like pins on a map and then have those pins linked to stuff. I could see that being pretty useful. If you bring up a map, of a place, you can drop a pin on the map and you can like link that to a, a page and like imagine having the map of the Mornland and dropping these pins on it. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, uh, Notion does not do that. And um, I know that some of the RPG ones do do that, um, but then they have trade-offs as well, like compl complicated world builder. I think world builder is world builder, not world, world builders, James Intercastle's blog. Um, I forgot what the other ones are, but there's other ones. So what else? One note. Uh, uh, add a property for player. Yeah, if you want to build a few for all of John's players, then you'd probably want to add player. Uh, S view, view, uh, definitely possible to overdo Notion. Yeah, overdoing Notion could be a thing. World Anvil, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and World Anvil is like a, a, a any award-winning site, and it does do the pin thing. And I looked at it. I, I made an account and everything, but boy, I got like over, over. So, A, I'm already, I just got into Notion. I'm not about to go try a different one and move everything over to another one. Um and boy, it has a lot of stuff in there. And it's mostly like a lot of world building stuff that I don't really need. Like I'm, I'm, you know, my style is low key and focused on the next session. So Legend Keeper beta just opened last night. Fates updates. Oh yeah. The other one is like this has, um, Notion has applications for every platform as well as a web-based one. Um, so I find that really useful. It, it, it formats really well from screen to, uh, uh, to, to, you know, desktop, iPad, iPhone, all that stuff. All right, so secrets. Uh, lack is uh, an artifact from the Dreaming Dark. Uh, from uh, what's that place called? Uh, not Sorakel. Ugh, Dull Dull Core and the Dreaming Dark. 
Um, Lack is many millennia old. People don't like the word millennia. Lack is thousands of years old. What does it want? Um, I don't. What's its motivation? Motivation is to bring reconnect the dreaming dark, reconnect Dalcor with the world. Um, that's what it wants, and it thinks it might be able to do so. Kind of, you know, hooking up with the characters. Um, Valentine. Gynasphinx, uh, so Valentine, Flame Touch has a sister, a Gynasphinx named Flame Wind. Valentine is cursed. Uh, for what? Why? Uh, she was cursed in Zendrek. Uh, what happened in Zendrek? Murder? A murder of their, did they have a third sister? And she murdered her? That'd be a good one. Murder is always a good one. The Flame Keeper. That's a good one. Uh, that's four. Whoops. Oh, what's going on here? Uh, what other secrets? Uh, the Emerald Claw's desperate and plans to blow something up in Sharn. So they're running out of time to um, stop the Emerald Claw. Uh, uh, what else? I think I think I'm, I've been deleting checkboxes. Uh, so that's five. So what if they have a choice? What they could put a hard choice in front of them. Leto Skull. With his huge dragon shard. Uh, Leto Skull is leaving with his huge dragon shard. Uh, at the same time, uh, the EC. Uh, plans to blow up a tower in Sharn. Uh, right at the same time they're leaving. So the characters have a choice. This is like a Superman choice, right? Uh, are you going to go stop the Emerald Claw from blowing up this building? Or are you going to go stop Leto Skull from absconding with the Dragon Shard? And now they have that choice, right? And, and you know, people will die or, you know, maybe. It might come up to that. I don't know if that's going to actually happen. They might be able to stop it ahead of time. Um, um, what else? Um, Lido Skull is the owner of the Tome of Call, sir. Uh, the legal owner. So I think Lido Skull, um, we're not going to, we're going to get rid of the something blows up and Skull wants his book is going to be the next scene. Um, oh, Leto Skull uh, has financed and uh, equipped the EC in Sharn as a distraction. Right? So Leto Skull is the villain here. And he funded, you know, he's been funding a terrorist group inside Sharn just to keep eyes off of him. Um, oh, and the uh, 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 Knights, the, the King's Dark Lanterns plans to assassinate Cavella and Lido Skull. 
they've been hunting them. So the King's Dark Lantern is sort of in the background. This is like another faction kind of working in the background. So we've got some, you know, some secrets and clues that are going on here. I think so, uh, you know, quick, a quick glance at do I have two and a half hours, three hours worth of material? Um, and we don't, obviously we haven't finished everything yet, but uh, probably an hour, hour and a half of them getting out of uh, Morgrave University. And if we throw in a crashing airship and Emerald Claw shock troops coming out of it, you know, piles of zombies and uh, armed ghouls uh, that are attacking. I think we could, you know, ghoul veterans and the like. Um, I think uh, that would, you know, fill out a couple of hours. And then then they go back to their shop and Leto Skull shows up and says, I want my book and I think you have it. And I legally own it. And here's my guy who's, you know, a, a lawyer um, who shows you the contract that says I own it. It was excavated from, uh, you know, excavated during an operation that I financed and it's my book. I could go to the authorities or you could just give me the book back. And then they decide what they want to do. Uh, and then meantime, they might, you know, there might be some other opportunities for them to uh, go around the town and learn some more stuff. Like maybe the King's Dark Lantern guy shows up. It's probably enough scenes um, you know, that's probably enough scenes to, to handle it, I think. And maybe when we're going through the rest of this. Okay. So that's steps. Let's see. Characters, strong start, scenes, 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 scenes. that's, that's one. fantastic location. So, uh, these are blank right now, but uh, I already have a location for Morgrave. I have the Morgrave undersellers, uh, and, um, uh, there's Margrave University and uh, I think Tower, Vault of Tower 6, All right? So luckily, I've already got three locations set up that um, we, uh, that I already had played out. So if we go to the undersellers, this is how they got there. Uh, now, so this is another one of those database cards, right? And I have a nice map here that I pulled from Dyson Logos. I linked to the Dyson Logos one in case I want to get it there, but I also dropped the map right in here. And uh, essentially it was the Upper West is what took them to the vaults underneath Tower 6. So they know how to get out that way. And they entered from a stairwell. This leads out to the bar um, that they entered. So they kind of made their way through here and they might have to make their way back out again. And it might be interesting if like, somebody else started making their way through here. Um, could could it be maybe some King's Dark Lantern guys got down here? That might be kind of, you know, kind of interesting. And um, the potential for murder, I don't know. Some kind of authority. Uh, so it could be that they're trying to make, if they try to make their way back out here, they might run into some King's Dark Lantern guys that are, that are pushing them on the other side. Um, so that could be pretty cool. Uh, then... If we go back, uh, Morgrave University itself. I think I just have some. Uh, yeah, this is the vault of Tower Six. I guess I have two different Morgrave universities. That's confusing. Um, these are all of the potential locations. I have maps. This is the vault itself. They got in. How did they get in? Um, oh, they got in from the north and they made way through. The stone golem is in the in the room right below this uh, that octagonal or the hexagonal chamber. And then they made their way to the on the western side. They found the secret door, got some stuff there. They headed further to the west, and they got the book and they got the orb. And now the question is, how are they going to escape from here? Um, and they could uh, make their way out through the east, which is how uh, Flame Touched got in, which will lead to a different part of the Undercellar. Uh, so that could be kind of a neat way in. So I think, and then I've got sort of ten things that you can find in the Forbidden Vaults. So I have this list of objects that I could throw in here. Uh, some of these they've already picked up, I think. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so that's the uh, Morgrave University. And so what does Tower 6 go to? Vault of Tower 6. Uh, you know, I guess I made this here twice, right? I probably have two locations that I don't really need. Um, so this is the one that I was using for the other group. So I, I have two of the same location in here, which is probably two too many. I should probably delete one of those pages. Uh, but I think that that covers the locations. I don't know. 
do I need locations for anything, you know, coming up? The nice thing was like when you when you when you kind of prep a session, if you over prep a little bit, it'll probably bleed in the next session. It saves you a little bit of time. So particularly for like dungeon delves, dungeon delves often take longer than a couple of hours for me. They usually take a couple of sessions. So if I prep a little bit more, then I don't have to do quite as much prep on the other side. Uh, the other, another thing to note is that uh, this is about the most amount of prep that I have to do because this is a homebrew campaign. Probably the only bigger one is if I was running a homebrew world and a homebrew adventure in that world, which is how I think the 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 you know the single largest amount of dms that do anything are doing that it's not most dms it's not over 50 percent i don't think but uh, many dms a good amount of dms a high percentage of dms run their own campaign world with their own adventures and that's probably the most work you have to do because you have to also figure the world out i still think that this, these steps work and you can sort of make up your own world steps there this is one step easier than that because i'm running an eberron so all, all i have to do is kind of scan the eberron book to find some things there uh, and then, of course, easier than that. Well, easier is relatively speaking, you know, relative a relative term. But um, playing a campaign adventure uh, like Descent into Avernus requires, for me, less work because that often has I know where things are going because the book is telling me where things are going. So that's that's you know a, a consideration here. And when you see me like whipping out these fantastic locations, see like I don't need. Well, I'll, I'll keep them both in there. So then we review the NPCs. This one I actually have linked. Um, I think it's, let's see if it's linked to the right. Yeah, yeah, like it is. And um, so I'm like, which NPCs kind of matter here? And if I want, I can sort of drag them to the top. So like, I can just say like, you know, we're going to drag Flamewind up there. Uh, Amy Grayskin, probably not. Uh, you know, I can sort of reposition the NPCs by moving the cards around. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have to get too crazy about it, but uh, Agnes Kiernan is a university professor. Um, I don't have to get crazy about it. Uh, this guy is the, um, uh, King's Dark Lantern, Mr. Breland. Uh, so what else? I think that that is pretty, oh, Wormhowler was one of their guys, right? Worm, Wormhowler was somebody they picked up. Dragging is not the most, you know, the narrow screen. So now I got kind of the NPCs in mind that I'm considering, right? And I don't have to like deep dive into them because I kind of know them. So I'm not going to click on each one sort of the, the, I don't have to go as in depth as I do when I'm looking at the characters. It's just kind of getting the NPCs in mind and saying like, is there anybody? And is there anybody missing from here that I like need to bring up? Uh, one person that would be fun is um, uh, a new character. Uh, let's go to um, names and um, Isabel. Uh, star star something um stale giver that's a great one um starstruck that's a good one and she's an npc uh and she is um shane husk's biggest fan and we're gonna go. Uh, who's the woman, for the girl from Almost Famous? Uh, Kate Hudson. There we go. There's a new tab in case it's bigger. There we go. We will copy that image. Uh, and we will put her in there. Uh, that is Lido's, that is, um, Isabel Starstruck is, uh, uh, Shane Husk's biggest fan. So she might show up, she might show up later. And I think the idea that she is actually craftier than she originally came across and she's like, I'm, I'm his biggest fan. Um, I think that'd be that'd be cool. So uh, we can move her up because she might show up. Bink. There we go. Uh, so those those are the NPCs. Uh, 
I have reviewed the NPCs. Monsters. So we have ghouls. I love me some ghouls. We have um, Deathlocks. Let's take a look at Deathlocks, right? I think the Deathlocks... Um, Uh, they're CR4, but they are a weak CR4, I'll tell you. Um, but maybe a couple of Deathlocks would be good. Uh, they are 5th level spellcasters, so that when they do Eldritch Blast, it's 2 Blasts. Um, sorry, my, my, my Beyond thing is turned on. Is there a way to disable this? Options. Uh, we're going to remove it from Chrome. Uh, I like Beyond 20 a great deal, but um, it gets in the way when I'm not actually clicking the thing. Yeah, so I think um, Deathlocks would be cool. Th those could You could definitely have Deathlocks that work for um, the Emerald Claw. A couple of those. Uh, ghoul Veterans would be good. Um, so Ghouls, Ghoul Veterans. Uh, we have, of course, Jackawares. Uh, we have Spies and veterans of the King's Dark Lanterns. Any other interesting monsters that might be down here? We have the Alep, if we haven't used it already. Um, anything else? I don't know. I think that's probably good. Coming up with the monsters is usually pretty easy for me. I don't really have a lot of trouble with that. Uh, treasure. They just got a bunch of treasure, so I don't think I'm going to be dropping much treasure in here. They, they're getting the orb, which is like a crystal ball. I don't think anybody's due. Um, let me drop back up to the characters and uh, see. Around second morning, Sunday characters. Uh, Zarantir's got a wand of magic missiles. Banner just got full plate. He's happy. Saber's got his crazy claw thing. Uh, Shift, I don't think, has a magic item. She might be due. Uh, so we could have a... Um, a rod. I think you know, rod of the pack keeper is like the best warlock thing ever. Uh, so I always like to give rods of the pack keeper to um, characters. So I think we will um, drop a rod of the pack keeper in here. I think there was one and they didn't take it. Um, and it it is a uh, artifact of Zendrek. Uh, maybe the drow, but one of the um, it is a. I forget the three kinds of drow in Eberron. There are three kinds of drow. Uh, go to character creation elves. Uh, uh, there are the... Um, um, Drow are virtually in a, um, three distinct drow cultures formed. Uh, Volkori, and this is a good, uh, we can, we can like dram this into secrets, right? Um, Volkori are hunters of the scorpion god, known as Volkor. Uh, the Sulatar, traditions of elemental shaping. And the Umbrigan, who uh, are descendants from the drow who fled into the depths of the earth. It is probably a Sulatar drow. Um, let's stick this up in the. It's gonna be a big ass secret, but you know, whatever. Um, Sulatar drow rod. That would be pretty cool. Um, so that's what we've got there. Uh, we also, so I have this uh, nice scratch pad um, that I put in here, and the scratch pad is for like marching orders. Um, it is for, uh, you know, battles and initiative and things like that. You can sort of, I keep this sort of on hand to actually use during the game. Um, so I feel like I've got enough going on in here, um, for today's game. The trick is, so I wanted to spend the next 15 minutes, the rest of the show, talking about where the game is going to go from here and putting together an outline. So uh, I'm going to create a new page. Uh, 
new page. And we're going to call it the open as a page. Um, we'll call it the second morning. outline. And uh, so I already have, so like part one is um, is all about Sharn. And I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry about part two. And that's um, the Mornlands. So the whole first half of this campaign, their fifth level, there'll be six ish probably be sixth level by the time they are done um i'm probably going to slow down their progression a little bit uh so there'll be like two big adventures before they level up to six and um although i could go with the advice of of um leveling quickly and and just yeah like they like leveling so why don't i let them level so i'll probably level them up after this They'll probably be seventh level by the time they are done with Sharn and they're on their way to the morning. And I want to, this is for the um, Sunday game. Um, so like what are the things that I want them to be able to do? So they'll have an airship. I definitely want to have some, um, is it? Oh, so one option. What I want to do with this outline is just like, what are the big chunks, right? Like, what are the big things that they might do? And one of them is Old Sharn. I know it's not in the Mornlands, uh, but they were interested in traveling to Old Sharn, and that could be something that they that they want to do. Um, uh, I want to do some ruins of the. Um, uh, what's the Goblin Empire? Somebody help me out. Save me a save me a search. Uh, the name of the original old uh, goblin empire that existed before uh, the rest of the humanoids were on um, Corvair. Um, there's also, let's go back over to here. I'm gonna, I, I might as well use both my windows, right? Um, uh, locations. Cover Gazetteer. Let's go to the Mornlands. Sire of the Mornlands. So, uh, locate interesting things about Sire. Sire was uh, ancestral, was the ancestral seat of the Dragon Mark Kenneth House and House of Making, a house maintained. Um, we definitely have um, uh, a lot of Kenneth stuff here. Um, once the seat of house can have place with magic on Marvels. Is Eston destroyed? Was uh, this was a place of wonder? Clockwork menagerie. Um, I think Metrol. So so Eston could be a place that they go. Um, uh, Dakan, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Shout77. The Dakan Empire is where I wanted to go. Uh, ruins of Dakan, right? And the Dakani Empire, I think it's with an I at the end. So Eston could be a neat place to go. Uh, what else do we have? Um, once the capital of Galifar, uh, Metro was known as the rising city for many buildings. So Soaring uh, Cathedral, the Sovereign House, the Center, Vault served as a mint and treasury containing cultural places. Uh, aftermath of the last war. This is, I thought there was, there was more in here. There's a whole city. I, I think maybe it's under the Mornland Adventures. If we go to Adventures. Uh, the Last War. Yeah, here we go. The Mornland, right? Mornland environment. The Mist Wall, the Glowing Chasm. Glowing Chasm is kind of a cool place. Put that in here. 
we have creatures and monstrous mutations. Sites and ruins. This is what I wanted. Esten. So House Kenneth was born in Esten, and it's the house labors to transform the city into a place of wonders. Uh, Esten is an irresistible attraction to treasure hunters. Esten began as a successful mining settlement. Um, so Esten is definitely... Uh, it doesn't describe much of what it's like now, does it? A lot of wild magic went on there. Um, making in the Glass Plateau. Uh, the city of making is where the um, where the morning took place. So making in the glass plateau could be sort of where it's going. Um, Metro. So this is the one. I love this piece of art too, right? So we're going to, let's, let's uh, open image, a new tab. And we're going to copy that image. And we are going to uh, go here and go into my locations. And what I should be doing, and I, I'll do this for the other one, is... Um, Um, is making uh, location cards for each of these places that I was just looking up. So I can grab this and um, add it in, right? And now I'll have a nice location card ready to go. So these are like the big places that I want. Uh, lots of adventure hooks. Yeah, I'll probably read up further on this. Um, the Warforged Colossus. You know, it would be a great thing to explore. Maybe there's two of those, right? Um, I should write these more in my notes. Just sitting here talking. Um, so let's see. Ruins of Dakani Empire, Eston, uh, Warforged. Uh, Glass Plateau um, making. Making in the Glass Plateau. Um, yank this stuff out of here now. So what I'm trying to do is just like, you know, I'm, I'm starting with what are cool places that I want them to explore. And then of course I have Claw Rift. Um, uh, so these are like locations. So let me uh, come on, give me a give me a thing up there, uh, and then we'll have sort of plots, right? Um, I think the emerald claw. Well, the emerald claw. Um, Lady Omaro calls to shift, right? I think she's going to send, I think Lady Omaro is going to contact shift directly. Um, the train ride. I definitely want to have a train ride on an insane Warforged train. That's probably the only way to get to the glass plateau. Like nobody can get there, but if you want to go from Metro to the glass plateau, you have to take this train. That would be pretty cool. Um, what other major plots? Oh, the, the, uh, Uh, Daughters of Sorakel want the bomb. So they're going to kind of step up as a new front. Um, but I think, so as part of the Explorers Guild, there's sort of lots of places to explore. And I think I want to, so one thing I want to do is once, there's going to be a big conclusion at the end of the Sharn section, right? Um, uh There's going to be a big confrontation with Leto Scala as he tries to flee Sharn. He's going to get on his ship, 
uh, and he's going to sail. He's going to he's going to zoom off towards the Mornland, and they're going to lose track of him, right? And then there's like there'll be a moment where like they'll be keeping track. They might lose track of him. They might stop him and kill him, right? And whatever they do as they as they recover it, that'll be sort of the end of this event, this section. And then I want to kind of dial it back and I want to put them back in the point of view of explorers. Um, uh, and I want them to have the option. So uh, set up uh, set up the guild hall uh, outside the Mornland. So I want them to uh, be, you know, have some time where there isn't a major event that they have to solve and they have sort of options about, I want to put some options in place and say like, here's some ex exploration options you have, right? Where you can just go explore places. And then here are some plot driven things that you can, you can dig into and then see like, do the players want to just go see places and do some, have some fun focused adventures, like one shot kind of things, or do they want to kind of dig into the plot line itself? And um, you need to dial back the risk. So it's, you don't want to have them feel like, well, if we don't follow these plot lines, like bad things are going to happen. It's like, no, they're slow burners. So you have time to kind of explore without digging into the plots. You're not going to lose track of stuff. Um, you know, and I think that's important. Storm King's Thunder did a pretty good job of this, of saying like right up front, there's no urgency in this adventure. Like once, you know, from step to step, you don't have to worry about them immediately following through with stuff or bad things happen. And I want to do the same here. Like there's definitely big things going on in Sharn and it's mostly Leto Skull screwing with things. As soon as they take care of Leto Skull one way or the other, either they face him and they defeat him or they he gets away. But either way, once he's gone, like Sharn's safe. You know, once the Emerald Claw has been eliminated and once Leto Skull is either is taken care of, uh, the risk to Sharn is gone. And then they have some options for, hey, you know, you were interested in exploring old Sharn, you can do that. Or you can head to the edge of the Mornland and set up a new guild hall for us there as part of the Finders Guild. Uh, and we'll have new jobs for you when you're there. Um, you know, and then hint at these other plot lines, like, you know, have these sort of the, the, the big plot lines are going to move off. The daughters of Sora Kel and, and Lady Elmaro will, will become like new. Oh, and then the, um, uh, the Lord of Blades, uh, and the Lord of Blades and the Becoming God is it sort of another storyline that we can throw in here. Um, so that way the players have some options of kind of dialing it back or, putting on or hitting the gas, right? Do they hit the brakes and take a, take, take it easy? Or do they, um, pump the gas and, and head deep into it? Another thing is like, how long do I want to run this campaign? Right. Um, and some of that is going to depend on when the new D and D hardback adventure comes out. So I don't mind having this go beyond the point where that hardback adventure has come out. Um, but I would like to play that one. I don't need to play it on day one. One thing that's very interesting, like here's a two minute, a two minute thought. Um, and like this part, this you know, part one and part two of the Mornlands, you know, uh, um, I don't have to, I can kind of like keep these thoughts going in my head, but I need them because both of my Sharn adventures are starting to come to the end and I need to figure out what they're going to do next and how, and I don't really have much of a thought about that. Um, but an interesting thing, and, and here's something I kind of I kind of recommend that um, when you are looking at hardback adventures, something happened with Descent into Avernus that I thought was very interesting. I I, I did a 45 minute show yesterday. You can see it up on YouTube, um, where I talked about running Chapter One of Descent into Avernus. And the interesting thing about running Descent into Avernus was I definitely benefited from all of the people who had run it before me. Uh, reading Reddit and reading Twitter and talking to friends of mine who have run it, uh, I was able to get a much better idea of where its strengths and its weaknesses were. I sort of was able to digest the adventure over a longer period of time. And doing so meant that when I ran it, I, I was able to make, it was a lot more fun for me because I knew what some of the bigger problems were 
and how other people had either wished they had done things to make it better or actually did do some things to make it better. In the case of Descent into Avernus, the number one, I mentioned this in the show yesterday, I'm going to mention it again just in case you're running Descent into Avernus and you didn't hear me yesterday. Um, the number one thing you can do to make Descent into Avernus better from my experience so far is make sure that the characters have a clear tie to Elturel, the Hellriders, and Rhea Mantlemorn. And that changes the whole motivation for the whole campaign. If your characters really care about Elturel, the Hellriders, and Rhea Mantlemorn. Now, all the questions about why the hell are you in hell go away. Or why would you do this? Or why are fifth level people being asked to save an entire city? All those go away when the characters are, 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 have a direct interest in saving Elturel. Uh, so that wasn't clear to me when I, the, the adventure first came out and it became clear to me and there were a lot of modules and things, lots of accessories that were released on DM Guild that benefited from that. So my point with this is like when a new hardback adventure comes out, uh, it's not bad to wait six months, right? It's not bad to kind of let it, like it doesn't matter to you and your friends, right? You don't have to like, oh, I need to play it right now so I'm part of the cool group. Like, nah, you don't, right? And I think with a lot of the adventures I've run, I've started running them... Uh, a couple of months, at least a couple of months after they came out, two, three months after they came out, Storm King's Thunder, Tomb of Annihilation, um, Curse of Strahd, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and now um, Descent into Avernus. All of those, first of all, they're not coming out as often. They're coming about once a year instead of once every six months, which is nice. And um, it gives you a couple of months to read it and understand it. It gives a couple of months for producers to make really good products, like supplementary products for it. And it gives you a lot of experience in what other DMs uh, directions were. Like uh, the Alexandrian um, has a great like uh, re redux, redo of um, Descent into Avernus that people really like. And he, I think he did the same thing for uh, Dragon Heist. And it's great when you can see like how other DMs sort of take the hardback adventure and twist it into something that's even better than what originally is there. Um, so, so there's an advantage in waiting. Now, the funny thing is, so as a content producer, right, as a guy who makes these YouTube videos and I make the, the show that you're watching right now and I write for Sly Flourish, you would imagine that I would have a big interest in sort of being on the spot, right? That like, I need to write an article on Sly Flourish the day it comes out. There's like, what do they call it? Um, when you like, uh, uh, there's a name for it when you're not allowed to, an embargo, right? There's embargoes, like people get review copies of things. I don't get review copies. I used to get review copies. I don't get review copies anymore. I don't know why. Um, hot take. Yeah. So uh, I don't get review copies and, but I buy them, right? And I'm, I'm excited for the next one and I'm definitely going to buy it. I don't feel like I have to write about it right away. And one problem is like a million people and big publishers write reviews of it and they like hammer through it and they write about it and they talk about it. And if you read the initial reviews from both uh, mainstream publications and from fans and bloggers, those bloggers, and you, I make fun because I'm a blogger. Um, and you listen to what they say, most of the reaction is very excited, very happy. And if you read it about Descent and Avernus, um, they're super positive about it. And you read it and it's like, I've, I've multiple times I've read things that said, this is the best D&D adventure that Wizards has ever made. That's not true. And I don't, you know, like, it, that's it's certainly arguable, but it's flawed. And no one mentions the flaws, right? And there's definite flaws in Descent and Avernus. It's a fine adventure. It's worth the money. You, it's not too hard to twist into something great, but you got to do some work. And that's pretty much the case with all of the adventures that I've run. But it takes me running it before I really understand that, right? And it takes a month or two to digest it. And it takes them more, more than a couple of months to see how other people are playing it and what their experiences are. And then it takes me actually running it. And that's why like, I'm just starting to write Descent and Avernus stuff. I've, I've written two articles. One's published and one's not even published yet about Descent and Avernus, right? That, and that's, it's been out for a long time. Well, the other thing is it's still out. So, you know, I don't think, oh, hey, some Amazon Prime. So I don't think, um, it's not worth buying. I think these things are worth buying because I've given this whole, man, I'm sorry, I'm going over time, but it's important. Um, when you think about how much these books cost, it costs like 50 bucks MSRP, but the amount of energy and, and money that went into making it is like a thousand times that. Yeah, probably. 
2,000 times, you're getting a huge value for 50 bucks. Even if you just steal ideas and look at the art, you're getting a huge value for it. You don't have to run it cover to cover as is to get $50 out of it. It's still worthwhile, but that doesn't mean it doesn't need work in order to run as a big campaign adventure. It does need work. And you can capitalize off of other people's experiences if you wait a little while before you start to run it. That's my super long-winded way of saying... Uh, I'm probably going to keep the Eberron game going a couple of months into the publication of the next adventure so that I can get a better idea of what the next adventure is like and how it needs to be modified in order to suit me and my groups. And um, do I recommend other people do that? It's up to you, right? You can run it as is because frankly, I would like it if all of you ran it first and then told me your experiences. So then my game is better than yours. Uh, that is certainly one way to go. But you could also like lots of people are going to run it regardless of what I say. So it's not evil of me to wait for other people to have their experiences. And who does it benefit to talk about it right away? It benefits the marketing, right? And like, that's fine. But I'm more interested in a good adventure than I am in the marketing and helping the marketing. So, so lazy. Gaming, game service is so much lazy. I like to stay true to my brand. Um, Evil John says, his Avernus game died of apathy. That's that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear it. Um, but thank you for your experiences. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's my thought about what's going on. We will know, I guess by next Sunday, when I'm doing this show, we will know what the next adventure is. I think a lot of us know what it is anyway, because it got leaked. Um, but uh, we'll be able to know more about it and it'll be interesting to talk about it. And hopefully we'll, we will certainly know a date of when it's coming out. And then when that date comes out, I can kind of think about like how long do I want my Eberron game to go? And a lot of it is like how interested are the characters, are the players interested in doing it? Do they want to go to like 14th and 15th level? I'd be good with that. It was originally going to be 10, but I don't mind going 15, like 14th level, seven levels of each thing. So um, yeah, Evil John says, have you signed up for a table? I did. So Thursday I'm playing a game with them. So that'd be fun. Anyway, I have gone over on time. I hope you have enjoyed this show. Uh, if you have any questions about how to use Notion for campaign building, uh, let me know. Uh, you, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter or something like that. I'm writing an article about how to do it. Uh, I also have a video. Well, last week's video was about how to do it. So if you can watch last week's video. Um, uh, and I have an article that I'm working on currently where I'm filling it out. But I find Notion to be really good and really useful. And, um, and you'll be seeing me using it more and more as I'm doing these uh, shows. Thank you all very much for coming. Thank you for letting me rant for eight minutes beyond the normal show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, I hope we will, we will all together kind of sit and enjoy what uh, Wizards is coming out next week. And I will talk to you guys then. Uh, have a great week and get out there and play some D&D.